This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll now have our scripture reading. Scripture reading will be taken from 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, In Shen will be reading for us the passage today. Uh, you can take this moment to grab your Bibles or you can follow the passage on the screen. 2 Peter chapter 2 But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes, and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man, living among them day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed, an accursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beza, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it 
and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed to them. Of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Thank you, uh, Sister Inchen. Brother Nicholas will now speak to us uh, God's word. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your spirit of illumination open the eyes of our understanding that we may rightly conceive your word so that we may have wisdom to apply, memory to retain, faith to believe, and grace to practice what your word says. Amen. Last week, the Straits Times had an article about a man who was scammed uh, twice in two days. So on the first day, uh, he saw an ad for OTA. So to buy the OTA, you have to download a special app to place a deposit. So he downloaded the app, and then scammers managed to access his phone. Yeah, then he, yeah he realized that. And the next day, a scammers pretended to be from the bank and called him. And they said, if someone tried to use your credit card uh, details, so to be safe, you must download uh, this this uh, new scam shoe app. It doesn't matter if your phone has, already has a scam shoe app. Download this new scam shoe app. So he downloaded the new scam shoe app, and his phone was accessed again. So the scammers, uh, they made him feel very unsafe. They prayed on him uh, for his prayed on his need for security for, with false security, and the. This, is, this incident is in the papers because the police want to warn all of us about scammers uh, so that we will not be scammed. Now today, Jesus uh, warns us uh, not to be scammed by false teachers. Jesus warns us because Jesus cares for you. Jesus doesn't want you to be scammed away from following him, scammed away from heaven. So Jesus sends us these words in 2 Peter through his servant and apostle, Peter. So what Peter writes is what Jesus wants you to hear, so that you will be warned against false teachers. Now, Peter's overall strategy is to remind us, keep remembering that Jesus is coming back. So look with me at chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Peter wants us to remember so in chapter, in chapter 1, remember what the apostles and the Old Testament said, that Jesus is coming and we grow in our godliness. And this builds our defense against false teachers. In chapter 2, today, Jesus exposes the false teachers of, who don't remember Jesus' return so that we will beware of these false teachers. So today we'll be asking these four questions. What's so dangerous about these false teachers? What will God do about this? What motivates false teachers and can they save? So let's look at the first point. Can, can, sorry, what's the first point? The first point was, what's so dangerous about false teachers? False teachers are dangerous because they can destroy. Verse 1. But there were also false teachers among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. False prophets, false prophets among people, false teachers among us. They're dangerous because they come from among us, and they teach dangerous, destructive heresy. Now, what is a, a heresy? Now, Second Peter gives us some characteristics of these heresies. So first, heresies are, come from people who say that they are Christian. Verse 1 says they come from among us. 
just as there were uh, false prophets among people in the past, like in the days of Jeremiah. They come from people who call themselves Christian. Secondly, heresies are not from God. So heresies contradict what the, what the apostles say, they contradict the Old Testament. Verse 3, uh, Peter calls these fabricated stories or false words. That's unlike the, the apostles in verse, chapter 1, verse 16, who testified to what they saw with their eyes. And unlike the Old Testament prophets who spoke what God wanted them to say. Also, verse 1 says that these heresies are destructive. Now we look at how destructive they are in verse, verses 20 to 22. The last point is, heresies lead, lead to ungodly living. Either uh, there will be lots of, lots of new rules. So just now Shelley, when she gave a testimony, she's talked about, she wondered whether she, to be a Christian, she needed to be at 100%, 100% good. So that's what some false teachers say. You need to be 100%. Either that or there are no rules, 0%. That's what uh, heresy does. Leads to ungodly living. All these are heresies. Don't follow them. Our basic truths are summarized in the Apostles' Creed that we recite every month. Our basic truths are what we, be, what we cover in our membership class. So when the, when the false teachers contradict the basics, it's as if they deny the Lord Jesus who bought them and they will be destroyed very suddenly. So they teach destructive heresies. Next, they harm Christianity's reputation. See, when they, even though they, they, they teach bad stuff, they have lots of people following them. Verse 2, many will follow their, follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Sometimes these false teachers will have many followers. And these followers will follow the false teacher's sinful conduct so that the non-Christian world will speak poorly of Christianity, speak poorly of the way of truth. And that's how they harm Christianity's reputation among the non-Christians. So the non-Christians will look at the sinful so-called Christians and say, a Christian can lie there. Or they realize that these sinful so-called Christians are worse than them. So there's no need to follow Jesus. So they harm Christianity's reputation. But that's not all, you see. They will hurt you. Verse 3. How do they do that? In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. The false teachers will greedily exploit you with myths. They come with stories to scam you. Maybe you want to get rich. Maybe you want to be famous. Maybe you want to get away with sexual assault. I read... But I read this book by Kosti Hin about the danger of the prosperity gospel. Now, Kosti Hin isn't so famous. His uncle is famous. His uncle is Benny Hin. He's a famous prosperity uh, preacher. He preaches that God wants, you to, God wants to heal you, make you rich. And now he has since repented from that. But in the past, he would uh, use these donations to bankroll uh, his luxuries. Lux- expensive clothes, expensive cars, expensive houses. Now, where does this money come from? Now, all this money comes from people who believed in their fake gospel. So this is what Kostihin said. One man, whom I remember well from my days working with my uncle, wrote to me and asked for prayer. He traveled to many healing crusades and was an avid believer in my uncle. He explained that he, his wife and he were unable to have a baby, but were told to sow a seed of faith into my uncle's ministry, and God would give them a baby. 
They gave a financial gift. Nothing happened. That's not all. They did this again and again, finally taking all they had from the savings and giving it as an offering, hoping God would give them a baby, their ultimate request, if they made the ultimate financial sacrifice. This is how false teachers got rich. So beware of false teachers who destroy. What will God do to the false teachers who will destroy? God will judge and God will rescue us. So verse 3, the second half. Their condemnation has been long hanging over them. Their destruction has not been sleeping. Their condemnation, their destruction will happen. God will not let them off the hook. How can we be sure of this? We can be sure because of God's history with the unrighteous and the righteous. Now verse 4 to 9 is one, like one long sentence, one long if sentence with three examples. So if example 1, 2, and 3 are true, then God will certainly destroy false teachers. Now these examples are all from the past. So the first example are the angels, verse 4. Angels who have sinned. So what we see in verse 4 is God did not spare these angels. Instead, he holds them until the day of judgment. So if God didn't spare the angels who are greater, more powerful than you and I, then God will not spare false teachers. Next, the ancient world, verse 5. If he did not spare the ancient world, he brought the flood on his ungodly people. The people in the ancient world were wicked. They were violent. God sent this flood that covered the world for 150 days to destroy them. Everything was destroyed except Noah and his family. Verse 5 again. But protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. God judged the ancient world, protected Noah. Third example, verse 6. If he condemned the city of, of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were wicked so God rained down sulfur from the sky to destroy these two big, prosperous cities. And verse 6 says that this happened as an example. As an example of what God would do to the ungodly, to ungodly false teachers. But that's not all. See, God rescued Lot. From verse 7. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Well, three times we are told here that Lot is righteous. He is living among uh, these sinful people day after day and witnessing their sin and having them ask, them ask him to join them in their sin. This tormented him. So God rescued Lot from the burning sulfur. Uh, so, in this passage, so we see that God punished the cities and rescued Lot. So three times, God judged the ungodly and saved the godly. So if God punished the, the angels, the sinful angels, if God condemned the ungodly ancient world but saved the righteous Noah, if God condemned the ungodly cities but saved the righteous Lot, then, verse 9, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trial and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. 
God has this track record of justice. So we can be sure he'll maintain justice today. So our passage shows us that there are two actions that the Lord Jesus will take. The first is Jesus will rescue the godly from trial. Now this doesn't mean that Christians will never suffer. See, Lot and Noah, they went through difficult times when they were in the ancient world. What this means is Jesus will rescue us from false teachers who try to oppress us, who try to pull us away. The Lord Jesus will ensure that we will persevere against false teachers and we will make it to heaven when Jesus returns. Jesus will rescue the righteous. And Jesus will hold the wicked. It seems that the false teachers haven't been caught. That's why they can go around to scam others. And it seems that Jesus hasn't brought justice. That Jesus has delayed in catching them. But the Lord Jesus has acted. Jesus hasn't let false teachers do whatever they want. You see, some, teachers, some versions would say this in verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to keep the unrighteous under, under punishment until the day of judgment. So the ESV says this because there are other passages that say that God judges the wicked by letting them continue in their wickedness. This is true. But in this passage, it is more that God is holding the wicked, God is holding, reserving the wicked, false teachers for judgment on the judgment day. Just as God hold, held the, the angels who sinned in verse 4. So the, the false teachers seem to be free to scam now but they are not free. It's similar to uh, today to scammers who are being caught for their crimes. So when they're caught for their crimes, what, what sometimes happens is they are let off on bail. They're let off on bail until the day they are charged and sentenced in court. While, and while on bail, what do some of them do? Some of them continue scamming people. But the day is coming when the judge will charge them for their crimes and will give them their just punishment. In the same way, Jesus is holding the unrighteous false teachers for punishment. Jesus is preserving them for judgment until the day he comes back. Now friends, if the false teachers remember, uh, remember Jesus' return, then they realize that there is a day of judgment and there's a chance that they might be judged. But they, what happens is here is that they forgot God's history, that he will judge and they forgot that Jesus will return. So because they forget, they will face punishment when Jesus returns. Now God's history with the ungodly and the godly is good news for us. See, God isn't sleeping when crowds follow false teachers. God is active. God is still active when false teachers insult him with their smooth words of heresy. But God holds false teachers for judgment. How about the rest of us who hold on to the apostles' teachings? What chapter 1 reminds us is, Christ's divine power gives us everything we need to live the godly life. So we are Jesus' godly people. We are the godly people who will be rescued. Today we have seen why false teachers are dangerous, and we see that God will judge them. Next we will ask, what motivates false teachers? So what motivates them is power, sex, and greed. 
So the, the list of things in verse 10 to 16 can be summarized in two groups. And uh, th- these two things are in verse 10. So f- their first motivator is power. Or in verse 10, they despise authority. The second motivator is sex and greed. Or they follow the corrupt desires of the flesh. Power, sex, and greed. So first, power, they despise authority. Or verse 10. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in things they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. Like animals, they too will perish. Power, status, authority. That's what the false teachers want. So they blaspheme even the celestial beings who sinned. Now, we don't know exactly what the false teachers said. But what we see in verse 11 is that these celestial beings, they deserve judgment from the Lord. It's the Lord Jesus who can condemn them. But the false teachers have taken that authority to condemn the the celestial beings because they think they're higher than these celestial beings because they think they are higher than Jesus. That's why they blaspheme. In verse 12, they don't understand what they're blaspheming about. They don't act on reason. They are like, they act on instinct like animals. And what's their instinct? Their instinct is self-promotion. Whatever makes them look good, whatever makes other people look bad, even angels, even Jesus. See, they can do that to Jesus, then they'll do that to us. They'll do whatever it takes to promote themselves before others. They live for themselves. And this is not like a Christ people. See, Christ people, we don't live for ourselves. We live for Jesus. And we don't live by instinct. We live by knowledge. Knowledge that Jesus is coming back. And we live now ready for his return. Power. Next, the false teachers are motivated by sex and greed. They follow the corrupt desires of the flesh. Verse 13 and 14. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable, the experts in greed, and the cursed brood. They think it's fun, it's right to carouse all day, bringing, brazenly bringing their secret sins out in the open because they call what is sinful righteous. And when we feast with them, they are feasting on us. Their eyes are full of adultery. And when they eat with us, their eyes see sexual fantasies with those that they call brothers and sisters. And then they try to act on this fantasy, try to seduce the unstable newer Christians. The pastor says they're also experts in greed. Or literally, their hearts are trained in greed. Their hearts are conditioned to be greedy. So whoever their eyes lust for, their hearts are trained to be greedy for. We just had the SEA Games. Our national athletes were well-trained for the SEA Games. In the same way, false teachers are well-trained for greed. How are they well-trained? They know how to hide what, they, what they're greedy for and they know how to get what they're greedy for. They have, 
they have left to follow this prophet called Balaam. Okay, Balaam is a character in the Old Testament. It's quite a long, long story. So it's chapter, Numbers chapter 22 to 25 and chapter 31. Now where Israel was entering the promised land, the nations were all really scared. And one nation gave, offered Balaam, this prophet, great rewards to curse Israel. So this is the, these are the wages of wickedness. But God did not let Balaam curse Israel. So what Balaam did is, he had another plan. If I cannot directly curse Israel, I'll make Israel sabo themselves. So he, what he did, he, he brought Moabite women, foreign women, uh, and foreign idols, and introduced them to Israelites. And the Israelites worshipped the idols and slept with the women. And this worked. God sent a plague that killed 24,000 Israelites. Balaam, and Balaam paid for this with his life. He loved the wages of wickedness, so he received full payment from God, full payment of condemnation from God. In the same way, false teachers love these wages of unrighteousness, whatever they could get from, getting, from preaching their heresies. But they forget that God is also going to pay them back for, for what they have done. They too will receive the wages of condemnation from God. Now, another part of this uh, Balaam story is, is this. Okay, so this, this other famous part, that Balaam took this long journey from his home to meet his uh, new employer on the donkey. And on the way, Balaam's donkey spoke in a human language and rebuked Balaam for his, for his problems, uh, for his error. So this shows that false prophets, false teachers like Balaam, they are worse than animals. False teachers are motivated by power, sex, and greed. Don't follow them. Don't let them use you. Today we have seen how false teachers destroy. And God will judge those false, te- false teachers and save his people. We see that they are, these false teachers are motivated by power, sex, and greed. There's one more question to ask. Should we still follow them? Should we, can their gospel save? No, it can't. See, the, these false teachers will promise to save, but will leave you empty, leave you lost. Verse 17. These people are springs without water, a mist driven, driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. Now, water is precious, especially in the hot uh, Middle Eastern lands. So wells are necessary to, for people to, to be saved from the heat. So what Peter says is, these false teachers, they're like wells that promise water, but they're actually empty. So those in danger of dehydration, of spiritual dehydration, they will get nothing from these false teachers. And these false teachers are also like mist uh, driven about by a storm. So what, what's going on here is like this mist is like this big cloud that, prom- that looks like it's going to rain so that the crops can get water. But, the, but, the, but these clouds are driven away, are blown away by stormy winds. So the crops get nothing. Both examples show that the false teachers overpromise and don't deliver. And because, of their, they're, because they're misleading people, the blackest darkness of, judge, of God's judgment is reserved for them, just like it was reserved for the sinful angels in verse 4. 
They're so bad, but why do people still follow them? So the answer is verse 18. Verse 18, do you see what Peter says? For the mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They appeal to the, to the lustful, lustful desires of the flesh. Yeah, I heard about this story from a sermon about how this youth leader was sleeping with his girlfriend. So what he did at youth group is he started to teach his youth group that it's okay. It's okay to sleep with whoever you, whoever you like as long as you love one another. And you can imagine how attractive this was for the youths who listened. False teachers know the key to our sinful hearts. They know that we desire things. And whatever our sinful hearts want, what, what, what our sinful hearts want is for us to follow Jesus, yes, but also to have this other thing that is forbidden. And we want to have this clear conscience to pursue this other thing. And Martin Lloyd-Jones was a preacher uh, who preached through 2 Peter about 60 years ago. And in his sermon, he wondered, why is there this relationship between false teaching and sexual immorality? Why are they so linked? And he says, it's because false teaching makes it easier for them to live the kind of life that they want to live without being condemned by their conscience. The false teaching panders to or indulges a man as he is fallen from God. And man welcomes, this, welcomes the teaching because it excuses the life he lives. Now, just like scammers today, false teachers know that we want a clear conscience to sin. And that's what they offer. They sanctify whatever it is with some Bible verses here and there, but their gospel cannot save. One, one example they, they give is they promise freedom. In verse 19, they promise, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity or people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. So there is a form of freedom for you to live the way you want with false teachers. See, false teachers might say, you must be free to be you. If that means to live in a way that the Bible says no, you must be true to yourself. You must be free. In fact, the Bible also says Jesus comes to set us free. False teachers promise you freedom, freedom from freedom to be you, freedom from the church, maybe even freedom from Jesus. But they can't be free. Instead, they are mastered by sin. They are held in sin. Sin holds them in this iron grip. So false teachers have this attractive gospel that cannot save. And that's not all. Their gospel re-entangles. Re-entangles, traps us in sin. Verse 20. If they escape the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness and to have known it, and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the, prophet, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to his vomit. A sow that is washed returns to a wallowing in the mud. Those who have bought the false gospel will find that there's no freedom that verse 19 offers. 
Instead, they will be re-entangled by sin. They will be trapped again by sin. And this, this means this is true for both the false teachers and those who follow them. And when they go back, when they turn away from Christianity, when they turn away from Jesus, it proves that they were never Christians in the first place. It proves that they were they're like dogs eating vomit. It proves that they're like pigs in the mud. Now, I did some research on this. Uh, so it seems that dogs really eat their vomit because they, when, when they vomit, well, you and I smell the puke, but the dogs, they can smell the food in the puke. That's why they eat the, their vomit. Pigs, they wallow in the mud because well, rolling around in the mud cools them off. Either way, we are not dogs, we are not pigs, they are disgusting. And again, let me quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. This is what he says. Those who, go, those who have not got the real thing are going to go back. They have never been changed. The dog was always a dog. The sow, though washed, shall return to a wallowing in the mire. Religion may have a temporary effect upon us. The gospel of Jesus Christ can work temporarily in us. The dog was always a dog. So they were always non-Christians. Following Jesus helped their morality for a short time. But when this attractive, false teaching that appealed to their conscience came along, they turned away. A dog returns to his vomit, a sow wallows in the mud. The only way we know that we are children of God is that we grow despite false teaching. Grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Grow in our obedience to Jesus. Don't be swayed by false teaching. The road to turning away from Jesus starts when you prize a freedom from Jesus to sin. Maybe it could be just this one thing that you want from Jesus that you could have. But Jesus, through his word, says no. And all you need is a false teacher to affirm your desire, to clear your conscience, to give you this little nudge that will push you towards the cliff of heresy. A few weeks ago, I listened to this podcast on Singapore's serial swindler. So he had 10 victims over four years. He scammed many business partners and almost tricked someone to marry him. They got an ROM date and all that. At the end of the podcast, uh, the presenter was uh, thinking about this. Why is it that we fall for scams? And her answer is this. People fall for the things they most desperately desire. That's the power swindlers have over their victims. The power of knowing they've identified these desires and vulnerabilities, and they can now exert control. That's the power false teachers have over us. So beware of their false gospel that doesn't save and even plunges you deeper in sin. So what have we seen today? False teachers can destroy you. God will judge false teachers and save you. Power, sex and greed motivate false teachers and the false teachers can't save you. So what is it that will help us persevere when we are tormented? by false teachers, when they're they're attracting us with their false teaching, when they're appealing to to our sinful desires. We remember Jesus is coming back. Chapter 2, verse 9. Remember that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your loving warning. Please grant that we may not be hardened against your word, but that we may be submissive to it immediately and until Jesus returns. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, we'll now have our time of reflection and discussion. <laughs> so there'll be two reflection questions today. So which aspect of false teachers struck you? And what are some areas that false teachers can use to exploit us today? So, yep, you can take some time uh, to discuss with your nearest neighbour and then I'll bring us back after five minutes. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.